Can we stand up in the presence of God? I want you to close your eyes and lift up your hands to Jesus. Begin to exalt and appreciate him because he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be lifted up. Give thanks to him because there is none like him. A lot has been happening, as you are all aware, but God has been faithful to you and I. He has kept you hale and healthy and most importantly alive. Appreciate him because he's worthy to be praised. Father, we thank you. We exhort your holy name. While you are looking unto Jesus, I want you to know that no matter what is happening, nothing can stand against the name of Jesus. Nothing can stand against our Lord. No sickness, no disease, no infirmity, not even the state of the nations of the earth. Jesus will reign and will continue to deliver us. Therefore, continually look unto him. Who can stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. Who can stand against the King? No one can. No one will. Oh. oh. Belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him.
Therefore, Father Lord, we've come together this afternoon as a church. And Lord, we stand in the gap and we intercede. That Lord, let there be healing, Lord, in this land and the nations of the earth in the name of Jesus. We pray for everyone here, Lord, that may have been infected or been affected by this in one way or the other, that their health has been thrown into doubt. Father, we pray wherever they may be now, let your healing power begin to locate them now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that, Lord, let there be total restoration in the name of Jesus. Yes, we stand against the spirit of infirmity. For the word of the Lord says we shall not die, but we shall live to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Therefore, your spirit of death, infirmity, sickness, we come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bind you and we put you into captivity in the name of Jesus. Father, as your word go forth this afternoon, every here that will hear, Lord, touch their lives in the name of Jesus. Restore their hope in the mighty name of Jesus. I cannot speak of my own. Holy Spirit, speak through me to your people tonight, today, in the name of Jesus. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Let's put our hands together for Jesus and greet the person beside you that God bless you. I'm happy to see you. You may be seated in the presence of God. I know so many things seems to be happening now. These days when you tune into the TV, it's all news of woe. But you know what? Those who know their God, they shall do what? Exploit. They will be strong. They will be firm. Even in the midst of uncertainty that may be going around. And as I was reflecting over this message, it's also telling me that, you know, God is telling us that it is time for us to take him serious. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we started this series some couple of weeks ago. So that we may all know that it's time to get serious with God. It's time to stop trivializing our relationship with our maker. Because we've all seen now that all systems will fail you. The only thing that cannot fail you 
is God. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this series. It's time to get serious. It is time to get serious. And today, we'll be moving on to part four, which is the last part in this series. And open your Bible to the book of Jonah, chapter four. And I'll be reading from verse one to verse three. Jonah chapter 4 from verse 1 to 3. I read. But it displaced Jonah exceedingly. And he was very hungry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tashis. For I know that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This afternoon, we'll be talking about the title, Change of Mind. Change of Mind. Like I said in the last three weeks, we've been looking into this series that we call Taking God Seriously. In week one, we'll talk about taking God seriously. Week two, we'll talk about casting to the deep. Week three, which was last week, we'll talk about the second time. So today, we'll continue by talking about change of mind. And I want us to consistently follow through as the Holy Spirit will be ministering to us. As we look into the last part of this series, one thing that you would discover is that God is trying to reveal to us how we think as human beings and act. And also how God thinks and looks at things, which is quite different from the way we look at things and the way we reason. The Bible says in Psalm 139 verse 14 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So you and I, we are all beautifully, wonderfully made by God. But we are also complex in nature. In the Bible reading I read some few minutes ago, Jonah chapter 4, here we see Jonah, the prophet, asking God to come and take his life. It sounds like a contradiction because about two weeks ago when we were reading chapter 2 of this same book, this same man of God was asking God to come and save his life. 
And it's quite amazing how we quickly change our mind as human beings, particularly when we pass through situations and circumstances. But one thing we also need to know is that apart from our own mind, God also has his own mind, which is even more versatile than our own. As human beings, we may react emotionally to things, but God is not moved by emotion. He is a true God and is in control of situation and his mind. Very quickly, let me explain the mind of God. What is the mind of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. I want us to open our Bible to 1 Corinthians 2, 16. And I read, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Can you tell somebody beside you, I have the mind of Christ. Say it louder. There is something that we call the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is his thoughts, opinion, judgments, and plan for our life. And as children of God, the expectation is that we will possess the Lord's ways and own understanding. Which means our thoughts will be his thoughts. Our opinion will be God's opinion. Our judgment will be God's judgment. His plan will be our plan. Will be my plan, your plan, not my own plan, not your own plan. This also means that as believers, we acknowledge the superiority of God in all spiritual matters above our own understanding and intelligence. So what I'm saying is that we will begin to see things with the mind of God. We'll begin to see things from the perspective of God. It does not matter how small or how trivial those things may be. And to have the mind of God, you need to be a friend of God. John chapter 15, if you start reading from verse 14. The Bible says, ye are my friend, if you do whatever I command you. Then when you go to verse 15, it says, no longer do I call you servants, for servants do not know what their master is doing. But I called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So, God is calling you his friend. We are all friends of God. And how does God make things known to us as his friend? God makes things known to us through his spirit that is in you. Let me use another Bible verse to explain that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when you start reading from verse 11. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says, 
For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. So God has called you and I his friend. And because of that, he makes things known to us. Those things are revealed to us through the spirit of God that is in us. Which is different from the spirit that is in the world, that is in the society. Which is different from the spirit that is in the life of people who do not know Christ. And the good news is God has wonderful things prepared to tell you and I, to give all of us. Because we have come to truly know him. This includes understanding which ordinary human saints do not have. The Spirit of God in you and I, which gives you the mind of God, is the Holy Spirit. He knows everything in the mind of God. And how do we receive the Spirit? When we make a decision that we've given our life or we are giving our life to Christ. And that's what we call being born again. Because then a new Spirit comes into you and I. And once that Spirit is in you, like I said, the way you see things, your view to the event and situation in life, your view to what is happening now in the society will be different. I think sometimes towards the end of last year, we did a series called Seeing with God's Eyes. But this is where I'm going. For so many reasons, we decide we want to see things in our own way. And this is the case of Jonah, who initially was seeing things from the perspective of God. Speaking the message of God to people, and all of a sudden, what happened? He decided to allow the flesh and his personal mind, personal differences and racial differences that he has against some people. To override his spiritual mind. And he begins to act in a selfish way. He started making use of his own mind. And this is exactly what most of us do a lot of times. We have forgotten that the mind of Christ is in you and I. And where situations happen, when we are trying to take decisions we switch back to our personal mind, our understanding, experience, exposure, and we begin to follow it. And the end is always full of disappointment, unhappiness, rejection. So now let's look into our mind. That takes me into the next subtopic, our mind.
As human beings, one thing you will notice is this. We exhibit what we call biased view. We're very prejudiced in our views and judgments. You see, when we say somebody or prejudice, as the term may be, it means to have a prejudged position in your mind about anything. You already have an impression about something, about some people, about a situation. So it does not mind what happens or what you can actually see that is happening. Your views, your opinion will be what has already been established in your mind prior to that event. And a lot of time, we do this thing consciously or unconsciously. Now, let me tell you a funny one. I don't know whether you've personally done it before, but I have seen people who have, I myself have in a way done it before. Just imagine you are walking along the road and somebody comes in a luxury car and splash the water on you. Boom! You'll be like, you see then, stupid man, drug baron. <laughs> you understand? But then, I've seen people say this a lot of time. Then I begin to ask myself, okay, is it because the water was splashed on you and the poor guy is riding a luxury car you just made up your mind and just conclude that he's stupid and he's a drug baron. <laughs> but that's the way we think. That's who we are. And the thing is this. If we do not control this, if we do not allow the mind of God to take over with time, prejudice becomes what we call bigotry. And in fact, bigotry is even very deep. It means you are intolerant towards any different opinion from your own opinion. This is what happens when you begin to allow your mind to see things instead of allowing God's perspective to override our views. And that's exactly the same problem that Jonah had. Now, going back to him again. After he had spoken the message given to him by God, he saw that the people of Nineveh began to change. And he decided to get hungry. This means that in the first instance, Jonah had not taken God seriously. He was only trying to play along. And this is what we do a lot of time. When God gives us a message, a direction, a way we should follow, we kind of try to ignore it. But when the consequences come, we are very quick to rush back to God. Father, save me or I perish. And God be merciful. What happens? He comes and he saves us. And immediately there is an hell of freedom, freedom and everything is okay. Then we allow our flesh to take over again. And we begin to go back to the old ways. 
And we begin to say different things, just like Jonah. Allow me to digress a little bit. Before what is happening now in the state of the nations of the earth, you know, when we talk about praying about infirmity and sickness, people will have a laugh at the church. When we talk about using of anointing oil, people will say these are religious fanatics. But we are where we are now. God will have mercy on us in Jesus' name. Now, everybody now know that there is a prayer that is called anti-infirmity prayer. Everybody now know that there is something that is called anointing oil. <laughs> but why do we have to wait to get to this point? Because we've never taken God seriously. Because we've always looked as if, you know, God is just there to run to when we have issues. Whereas God is saying, you are my friend. Come, let's talk together. Let me give you my mind. Going back to the man Jonah. Jonah judged the people of Nineveh. Just the same way you and I judge a lot of people every time. Sometimes we behave like Pharisees and scribes in the Bible. We consciously or unconsciously try to set up religious standard and performance-based religions and views and try to impose it on others. We often forget that you and I have been saved by grace and no works of righteousness. And that's why Jesus described such attitude and act as being hypocritical in nature. God described them as hypocrites. We move near to God through our mouth, but in our hearts we are far away from him. Situation and circumstances is what make everybody come to know that it is this Sunday we need to declare the National Day of Prayer. But on a good day, when you say let us pray, it will be as if, are you coming from another planet? You know what? Our mind cannot take us to anywhere. When it comes to relationship to God, when it comes to spiritual things, we need the mind of God. So what is God's mind? The gospel of Christ is simple. The gospel is God's grace being poured out on undeserving people. There is also something that is called a religious grace. And sometimes this is what you and I most of the time use to describe other people that are outside there and have not come into the light of God. We often say, yes, we deserve the grace because we've kept the standard of God. And we try to tell God that look at all the others. They've not been keeping the standard. 
We are so good at being good. And the moment we start doing this kind of a thing, you have shifted, like I said, back to your own mind. Instead of the mind of Christ, which should be in you and I. And once you shift into your mind, instead of, shift, if, instead of having a relationship with God, you are shifting into a religious system using your own beliefs. That's when, when people shift into that position, you begin to ask, oh, thank God, I'm not a member of this church. Thank God, I do not belong to this group. And just like I said last week, that's why people outside that we are trying to bring out of darkness into the light of God always believe that the church and Christian have an opinionated and a biased view. We often forget that before we can judge anyone, the first thing we need to set right is our hearts. Before we start running commentary on people's relationship with God, before we start talking on spiritual lives of people, have I set my spiritual life right with God? I want us to take a deep and hard look into our lives. Since we've all said we have given our lives to Christ, as things truly change in our lives, are we showing the fruit that should come out as a result of being born into the family of God? A man of God says that questions give birth to new seasons. When we begin to ask ourselves questions, then it begins to open up the floor areas of our lives. But the truth is, you and I will often decide not to query ourselves. Even when we ask ourselves questions, we give the answers. We want to hear to ourselves. Jonah, in the Bible passage you read, got it so wrong when he came to come to the people of Nineveh. I wonder what was going on in his mind when he was delivering that message to them. It's quite evidence from his behavior now that he didn't take God seriously. He think God is a joke. In chapter 2, he only cried to God because he had a problem. And he was looking for a way out. And immediately, God delivered him. His case was the case of, you know what, I don't want any further problem. Uh, let me just go and deliver this message. In the same way, when we take it back into our lives, 
even though we should not wait to the time when we have challenges, but here we are, we have waited to that time. But then, during those periods, are you doing those things you are doing just to tick the box and get out of the situation? Or you are doing it in such a way to make my life, your life better and establish a good relationship with God? Another thing which Jonah did was he was using his own life as a standard for the people of Nineveh. And he summarily concluded in his mind that, you know what, even though I've told these people, they do not deserve to be saved. They do not deserve mercy and forgiveness. But that's the nature of man. Sometimes we do it very openly and directly. Sometimes we do it in an indirect way. What Jonah did not understand is God has the ability to change his mind. And even though we are his children, I want you to have at the back of your mind that God has the ability to change his mind even concerning you. That's why I said when we started this series that as a child of God, God will discipline you out of love. For those who are not children of God, they will reap the consequences of anything that they do. But God being so good, when you continue to read through chapter 4, from verse 4 to 8, an interesting thing happened. And it once again established the fact that God does not think the way you and I think. God does not react to situation or things the way you and I react to situation or things. God viewed things in a very different way. In verse 5, after Jonah has delivered his message for the people of that town, what happened? He went outside and he sat down. And I want you to follow this, <laughs> this story. It's quite a very interesting story. And this man called Jonah. So he went and sat outside the town. Probably what was going in his mind is where I've delivered the message within the next uh, 40 days. God will destroy this city. Let me just sit down here patiently and look at what will happen to them. They don't listen. They have not obeyed God and God will not have mercy on them. But contrary to what he had in his mind, he discovered that the people were changing and it looks as if God is changing his mind. He became very annoyed. He sat outside. And God did something. You know, since we started this series, I said, there is nothing that we have done or that we will do under the cover of darkness 
that God will not bring out open in the light. And God has a way to put together situations to make such things to happen. If you remember then, I gave examples of people in the Bible and in the society that have done one thing or the other and they thought that it's sealed, it's covered, it's never going to be exposed. But God used a situation to bring out the truth. In the same way, when Jonah was sitting outside that town, thinking that, yes, these people are finished today, God brought about a situation to prove to him that, young man, I don't think the way you think, and I do not see things the way you see things. He sat down outside, and the Bible made us to understand that God made a plant to come up. So, let's assume it sat in an open area. And therefore, a plant came up like a tree, which provided a shade for him. So, he sat under the tree. Naturally, as human beings, when you are outside in the sun, what is the next thing you're going to be looking for? A shade, an umbrella, or something just to hide yourself from the scourge of the sun. So he was very happy that, yes, um, life is good. And you know, when you sat under the tree, particularly those of us, probably you have an open space in your office or in the school. You know the hell is very cool during the lunchtime. Everybody sit down. You feel very nice. So he was feeling very cool. So he went to sleep. By the time he woke up the next morning, God has made a worm to destroy and damage that tree. So he came out the next morning. Not only did God destroy the tree through that worm, God made sure that the sun on that day was scorching very high with wind. So he had no place to sit or there was no shade for him. So the sun was eating his head big time. And you know he already, he already had an issue with God. So he become more annoyed. That you see now God, if I have not come to deliver this message, I would not have been sitting outside this city, waiting for what will happen to these poor people that have not repented. So in the midst of his annoyance, at the same time, Jonah was having pity upon the plant. I guess he was probably trying to reflect in his mind that, hold on, but what kind of worm could have come to destroy this tree within 24 hours? It's all gone. And he was having pity for that tree. At that point in time, God decided to speak that, Jonah, if you could have pity on an ordinary tree that you did not plant, you did not labor for it to grow, you didn't even know how it got there. But just because over the night it was taken away, why is it that you refuse or you think that I will not have pity upon the people of Nineveh 
Why do you think that I will not spare their lives when they have received a message from me through you? And when you begin to go through the conversation in Jonah chapter 4, as soon as God brought out that picture to Jonah, the conversation stopped. Probably one would have been asking, for those of us who are used to reading stories and think, something should have happened after that. But I think God intentionally decided to stop it there just to make Jonah to realize that, come, I am a God of grace. There is so much grace in me. And this grace, I can decide to extend it to whosoever I desire. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. My grace is not determined by what you think, what I think, what we think. And let's try to bring this back into our life. A lot of times, because we have the opportunity that we've been saved by the grace of God, we have totally forgotten that you've been here or where you are with God. It's not by any works of righteousness. It's just by his mercy and his grace. And we have forgotten that such kind of grace should be extended to people outside the light of God. Even let's put that aside. Sometimes you totally forget that it is that grace that is making you to be whole and healthy, to be alive, to be wherever you are now. And then we begin to take for granted our relationship with God. Then we begin to say all sorts of things through our thoughts, imagination, and the words of our mouth. It is time for us to stop and think that where I am now and where I am going is by his grace. Have you seen any river that cuts off from its source and keeps flowing? No. When you and I cut off from our source, which is God, by refusing to have the mind of Christ in us, then you can be sure that we won't go too far before we dry up. That's why now you see a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment, somebody blaming the system, somebody blaming somebody for this that is going all around now. Because way long we've decided to cut off from our source, which is God. And this message is speaking to you and I this afternoon that we need to go back to that source. 
We need to go back to that grace that God has given to you and I. We need to reestablish that relationship with God. And that's the only time that things will begin to change. That's the only time that when our mind will have the mind of Christ and the way we see and view other people will be different. That's when we will judge ourselves first before we begin to judge others. So, what is this God's grace that we've been talking about? One thing that the grace of God makes very clear to us is God cares for you and I. If we go back to that chapter 4, after that incident, after God has taken away that plant and he made the sun to scorch Jonah very well with high wind, God was passing a message across to Jonah. God made Jonah to realize that he does not have any right to be angry because of whom he decided to show mercy to. And God used him as an example that I have given you the grace by making a tree to cover you as a shade and I've taken away that grace so that you see the two sides of life. And what this is telling you and I is when things are good, let us acknowledge, let us pray, let us maintain our relationship with God. Let's remember where we are, where we used to be before the grace of God locators. Irrespective of what is happening now, it's not because the sin of some people is so much. It's just because of his grace that you are still whole and healthy. And therefore, one thing that you will do that will be pleasing to God and heaven is that this period of time will begin to intercede for people, for the nations of the earth, not trying to place judgment on them, just like Jonah is did. God made Jonah to realize that he is an hypocrite. Because when God removed that tree, the level of his anger increased. God made Jonah to realize that grace is not only for him alone. It's for everybody. In the same way, the grace that you and I are enjoying now is not only for you and I. It's for everybody. The gospel of Christ, like I said, is very humbling. 
The good news is Christ has paid for all. He has paid for any moralistic standard that we may want to set. He has paid for all sickness and diseases. He has paid for everything so that you and I can be restored. Therefore, from today, let us put our faith in him. Let us go back to that mind of Christ that he has given to you and I. Which we both acclaim that we have the mind of Christ in us. And let us begin to take him seriously. I want you to begin to reflect now. You've been listening to this within the past four weeks. Now it's time to get back to God. Everything around you and I is pointing to that. Begin to tell God that, Lord, this area of my life, where I've put in you, where I've put you at the back seat, come and take over. Begin to commit those things back to God. Your academics, your health, your finances, your marriage, family, everything. Like I said, I do not know the level of faith that you have in God now. But as you are listening to this message, God is giving you and I another opportunity. It is time to take God seriously. When we do it, God will change his mind. And when God changes his mind, God will heal us, restore us, and heal our land in the name of Jesus. If you are here and you are not really sure that you even have a relationship with Christ at all. This is an opportunity for you. I want you to begin to confess your sin and ask for mercy and forgiveness. That Lord, have mercy upon me. And as you are doing that, I want you to confess this by repeating after me. Father Lord, I come before you today. I acknowledge and confess my sins. Have mercy on me and forgive me. Let your blood wash away all my iniquities and sins. Lord, I invite you into my life today. Come into my life. Dwell in my heart. Take over everything concerning me. In the name of Jesus. And do not let me go back to where I used to be.
In Jesus' name we have prayed. For those of us remaining, let's also confess our sins. Anything whatsoever that we have now realized is making us to trivialize our relationship with God. Let's pray that Lord will take it out of our lives in the name of Jesus. That Lord in his mercy will wash away all our sins. That today we are starting on a new page with God. In Jesus' name, we have asked for forgiveness. Let us stand up as we go into our prayer session. Now that you understand, it's time to take God seriously. I want you to lift up your voice and pray. Oh Lord, let your mercy and grace overwhelm me so that I may be saved. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord, let your mercy, yes, and grace overwhelm me so that I may be saved. In the mighty name of Jesus, lift up your voice and pray. Lord, let your mercy and grace overwhelm me so that I may be saved. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Every desire of the enemy. Oh, my soul will not prosper in the name of Jesus. Yes, every desire of the enemy of my soul will not prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. Every desire of the enemy on our soul as a church, it will not prosper in the name of Jesus. It will not prosper in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we are praying. A lot of times, we do have what we call personal strongholds. I just want to quickly explain this prayer before we pray it. Bad habits in our lives can be strongholds. Sin can be strongholds. Our attitude can be strongholds. But one thing is for us to know that this thing exists in our lives so that we can deal with them. For some of us, even though they are everyday occurrence in our life, but we've never come to the knowledge to know that these things are in our lives. Therefore, we will lift up our voice and pray to God that Lord will reveal all these struggles to us. So that they can be broken and taken away from our lives. You will lift up your voice. Holy Spirit. Reveal to me strongholds. That needs to be broken in my life. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. Reveal to me strongholds. That needs to be broken in my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. Reveal to me now. The struggle of sin. The struggle of evil habits in my life that needs to be broken. Lord, reveal it to me in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Father Lord, we thank you for what you have made us to discover and learn throughout the period of this series.
Lord, I pray for your people here this afternoon that if there is still anything whatsoever in our life that the enemy is capitalizing on and making us not to take our relationship with God seriously, Lord, I pray this afternoon, let such things be arrested, let it come out of our lives and be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we need you more than ever before. Therefore, Father, I pray for as many that are under the sound of my voice in this auditorium that are watching me or that will hear me later. Let there be restoration and healing in every areas of their life in the name of Jesus. Father Lord, we pray that by your mercy, if there is any way we have judged anyone contrary to your laws, contrary to your ways, that Lord, you will have mercy and forgive us in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that from today, that your mind will be in us in the mighty name of Jesus. That when we see things, when we view things, when we want to react to things, it will be from your perspective in the mighty name of Jesus. Father Lord, as we depart, we cover ourselves with the wall of the fire of the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus. As we go out there, every raging infirmity shall not locate us and our family in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you the glory. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed.